Welcome to the Lift Church podcast. We pray that this message encourages you and inspires you to live up to your God-given potential. How are we doing? Good? All right, awesome. You know, we figured out something that we've got a lot of introverts in this church, right? We've made a safe place for, in- yeah, for introverts to come experience church. You don't have to be loud if you don't want to be loud. But this morning, I need a bit of help from our extroverts and from those introverts who actually want to be extroverts. This morning, I give you permission to yell back at me, throw stuff at me. Come on, say preach, girl, preach. Anything. Just be vocal. Just talk back to me. I love Audi. Keep it coming. Awesome. Hop on the bus. Drive the bus. I don't know where we heard that, actually. That was really weird. Anyway, so um, Pastor Nate mentioned that it is a joy to give. Um, But this morning, there's part of me that says that it's not always a joy to give. And why is that? Because this morning, we actually want to... um, pray for and release and say goodbye to a family who have been on the journey here at Lyft. This is why we don't get me to do these types of moments. All right. Bear with me. Okay. Good. All right. I'm in the zone. Okay. Stay woke. That's it. All right. So the Lindsay family have been tracking with us. They, They were the first ones to come to Lyft with us. Did you know that? They were the first ones to say, yes, we're going to come with you guys. Um, But over the last few months, God has been speaking to them about actually stepping out, stepping out of Lyft, stepping out of this family who they've come to know and love so, so much. You've got to know that. Um, To step out and actually go on mission to the suburb of Maddington. That's where they're feeling called to actually be a witness and to be pretty much missionaries to families in Maddington. And so um, after camp, uh, Nate and I sat down with Michaela and Caleb and we're just talking through, you know, how they've heard from God and what he's been saying. And, and, and we know that they have heard from God. And, and I say it's sad because it is, because obviously we're saying goodbye to a family that has become like family for us. But there is absolute joy in saying goodbye to this family as well, because they're actually going out on mission. They've said yes to the call of God on their life. And so we're so, so excited for that. So Caleb and Michaela, why don't you come and join us up here? What we're going to do, fam, is that we are going to pray for them. We want them to feel the weight, the spiritual weight behind them. That We want them to feel that we are championing them on and we 100% believe in the call on their life. Um, so why don't you stretch out your hand with me as we pray for them. Pastor now, I'll get you up to pray as well. That'd be awesome. All right. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Thank you, Father. God, we thank you so much for this Lindsay family. God, we thank you for what you've done in their lives. God, we thank you so much for the part that they have played in Lyft's journey, God. God, we thank you for the sacrifice. We thank you for the many hours. God, we thank you for the things that we've seen, but all the stuff that's been unseen, God. We thank you for all of their effort, all of their heart, God, and all of their prayers, Lord, into this house, God. And we thank you for the fruit that has come from their ministry, God. But Father, right now, we take a moment to lay hands on them, God, and to commission them, God, in this call that you've placed on their life. God, we pray that you would fulfill it 
uh, to the nth degree, Father, that where you've called them, God, I thank you that where you, where you get their feet to step, God, you have given them that territory. You've given them that as their inheritance, Father. And so, God, we bless them out of this house in the name of Jesus, God. And Lord, we just pray for the family of faith that will come around them next. God, I thank you for a place in there. I thank you that they'd be able to feel so welcomed and feel like they really fit there, God, that their roots can go down deep. And God, we pray that over their girls as well, over Georgia and Emerson, God, that their roots would go down deep in you once again, Father God. Lord, we thank you so much for what you have in store for this family. God, we bless them in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Awesome. Why don't you give it up for these guys? They're being bold. They're stepping out. Michaela was telling me that if she didn't actually come and tap me on the shoulder at camp, that she wouldn't. They'd just kind of, you know, drift off eventually in a few months' time. Um, but they are being bold. And, and um, we just want to thank you guys for actually staying, even though your heart's been called onwards, staying and, and handing things over well. We just want to thank you and honour you for that. A gift is coming to you. Um, just to say thank you and just so appreciate and love you guys. Awesome. All right, well, today, and, and it's kind of cool that we could honour these guys on a morning like this because, um, because I, I guess that was a great example of the kinds of disciples that we want to raise in this house. We want to raise disciples, men and women of God who say yes to the call of God, no matter how difficult it is, no matter how comfortable we can get sometimes, but that we can always say yes to the call of God on our life. And as I was praying into the series, our series Stay Woke. By the way, if you weren't here last week, you need to get the podcast because Pastor Nate explained everything about Stay, work, stay Woke, this, this phrase and where it came from, where it originated, but what it actually means for our church this year. Um, but basically, if I could put it in a nutshell, Stay Woke for me actually means to wake up to truth and facts, to kind of collide with truth and facts, that it shifts your reality, that it actually wakes you up in a way like nothing else can and, and your life is then different from here on out. And so as I was praying over this message this morning and over this year, I saw God to begin to wake us up in a way, to wake us up in discipleship that those who had gotten distracted, and again, Pastor Nate spoke a bit about that last week, how sometimes as Christians, as disciples of Christ, we can actually get distracted along our journey and we end up stalling or, or not even following Jesus ourselves. And so our discipleship has kind of fallen asleep. And so I saw people who had gotten to this state, they were woken up by God because He was inviting them back in to be a follower of Christ. But I also saw, and this is what excites me even more, is that I saw people who had given their life to Jesus, who were disciples of Jesus, who were following Him, actually being awakened to being a disciple maker. So they not only are traveling with God for themselves, but they're actually calling other people to say and saying, hey, follow me. Follow my example as I follow Christ. And so this is what I saw for our church this year. And so I'm really excited. I'm excited to share uh, this message with you and what God has placed on my heart. Uh, 
singer-songwriter, Brooke Fraser. She's one of my faves. She's pretty cool. She's actually hilarious. If you follow her on Instagram, like, you will laugh 100%. Um, but she, I think it was in 2005, so quite a while ago, she wrote this song called Albertine. I don't know whether any of you have listened to it, maybe not. Um, but this song was about uh, how Brooke went on this trip to Rwanda. And basically what happened there was that she met this girl named Albertine, and Albertine was an orphan. And um, she had actually been orphaned by the genocide that had taken place in 1994, I believe it was. And so as Brooke met Albertine, as she got acquainted with her and her life, Brooke was woken up. She got woke. She was woke. She was woke up to the fact that not everyone here on planet Earth actually lives a comfortable life like her. But she was so woke up to the point where she, she needed to, well, write a song about it to get to get the story of Albertine out, but she also was so so changed and transformed on the inside that she had to make an impact and, and make a change for people who were orphaned by these devastating things, to make an impact in these unjust situations. And I found that for myself, sometimes I would chase these opportunities to go on mission trips, for example. I don't know whether you've ever been on a mission trip, um, but I've been on quite a few and I love them. I love being able to go and see how another part of the world lives and, and what the state is over there in terms of spirituality and Christianity and whether the gospel is going forward. But can I tell you that we don't actually need to chase these experiences to be woken up because for every single person in this place, if you call yourself a Christian, you would have had this transformation actually take place on the inside of you. I love in Romans it says, in Romans 6:23 for the wages of sin is death but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. You see if you call yourself a Christian here this morning you would have been one day whenever you asked Jesus into your heart and welcomed him in to transform your life you would have experienced and been woken up to the fact that you were once dead in sin. That you once were this person that was a slave to sin that you actually had no choice and as much as you tried to live a good life a righteous life um, uh, in your behavior in your morals in your thinking or whatever you would still kind of get to the end of yourself that was definitely myself before I met Jesus but then when you met Jesus you were awakened to the life that he, that he has for you and that he purchased on the cross for you you see, for me, something that God strongly woke me up to when I received salvation was the fact that I had a purpose and I had a destiny for my life. And that goes for each and every one of you. You see, I came from a family, a background, who great people, but they never spoke about a, a purposeful life, a significant, influential life. But it was all about, you know, getting through school, going um, and getting that career, earning money, having a family and then living happily ever after. That was the extent of the dream. And so when God saved me, when Jesus came into my life, he woke me up to this whole new reality that I could actually live for more than that, that I could live for more than material possessions. I could live for more than just doing the same thing day in, day out, this mundane nine to five and just doing everything that everyone else does. But no, God spoke vision into my heart. He gave me dreams. He gave me visions and he showed me what I could become one day. 
it woke me up on the inside. And, and I know that if you call yourself a Christian here today, I know that you would have been transformed on the inside as well, that there would have been a change that has taken place for you. In uh, Matthew 4, 18 to 20, actually, got a, I got ahead of myself. Um, so what does this have to do with discipleship? You know how when you discover something that you really love, for me, um, for example, I've discovered a few Korean restaurants in the town of Vic Park that I absolutely love. Michaela messaged me the other night. She was like, what are your favorite restaurants? So I was like, oh, so hard to pick. But then I gave her these three things and I was like, yes, I tell everyone about these places. And you know how when you fall in love with something, you just got to share it with everyone. Well, how much more would we have the desire to share Jesus with people? When the fact that Jesus did something on the cross that none of us could actually do for ourselves. None of us could actually pay that debt of sin. Um, pay, yeah, and ransom us. But Jesus was the one because he was the perfect sacrifice. He alone was able to do that and he did that for us. So discipleship is actually the act of sharing that good news. That's where discipleship comes into play. Discipleship is the appropriate response when we are woken up to salvation in Jesus Christ. And you know what? Jesus is all about this. Jesus' end game with you and I, with everyone who is in Christ, is actually to be his disciple, but to be a disciple maker. In the beginning of his ministry, when he called his very first disciples, they were fishermen, we're going to look at that scripture now. But he, he, basically his first words were, you are my disciples and I will make disciple makers of you. So Matthew 4 says, as Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. So Jesus basically says, come follow me, be my disciple, but I'm going to make you a disciple maker of others. And then Jesus goes through his life of ministry and to sandwich it all in nicely at the end, Jesus, these are his last words to his first disciples. In Matthew 28, 16 to 20, he says, then the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of every nation, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So Jesus' end game for us, disciples, and disciple makers. But recently, I was kind of thinking about this word discipleship, right? And how often um, us as Christians, and especially us who go to church, we kind of want to break down these concepts, right? And give people a language for it. And so a language around discipleship that I've noticed recently is this whole thing of doing life together. How many of you actually say, yeah, we're doing life together when, when we disciple people, right? So for me, it's kind of funny because there's doing life together. I'm sure it started out vision-filled, action-packed, and it was like thick and rich and deep, right? It was like this deep truth. But with everything that we kind of share, sometimes it gets watered down, right? And so sometimes, if I'm honest, when I actually think about doing life together, I just see, I just see us like me and my disciple, kind of just skipping through the middle of flowers and like everything, everything is, is 
I don't know. I think maybe my my idea of skipping through um, fields of daisies doesn't quite cut it, right? It's it's probably not exactly what what Jesus is talking about. And so, I uh, this is kind of a, a story that God led me to to give me a better picture. And, and this morning, I believe this is the picture God wants to give each and every one of us for what discipleship can look like in our lives as disciples of Jesus, but also disciple makers of others. So if you've got your Bibles with me, turn to Joshua chapter 1, verse 10 to 18. I'm already excited because it's found in the book of Joshua. I love the book of Joshua. All right, so to give you a bit of background with this this, um, story, so most of you would be familiar with Moses, right, the Israelite leader. So Moses led uh, the Israelites for a time. But all along, he had this, to I see, this understudy named Joshua. So Joshua was right there whenever Moses was making his leadership calls. He was learning from him, and he was in there. He was in the action. And so when Moses was alive, God spoke through Moses to the people of Israel and told them that he was setting them an inheritance of land that they could actually have as his people where in this land, this was meant for them and it was a land where there wouldn't be any enemies, there wouldn't be anything that would hinder their relationship with God and and basically it was this place of peace and this, this wonderful place that these people just craved to have because they were slaves. And so God spoke that through Moses but then we see this sad, sad story of how the Israelites have this journey of basically falling away from God, how um, how they once were obedient to him, but then they just fell away. And so sadly, we see Moses pass away. We see, see this whole generation pass away. But Joshua is left to lead this new generation, this generation of believers into this promised land, into this inheritance that God has for them. And so we pick it up in chapter one where they're getting ready to go to this promised land. So it goes like this. So Joshua ordered the officers of the people Go through the camp and tell the people, get your provisions ready. Three days from now, you will cross the Jordan here to go in and take possession of the land the Lord your God is giving you for your own. But to the Reubenites, the Gadites, and the half-tribe of Manasseh, Joshua said, remember the command that Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you after he had given you your allotted land. So they had this special commandment on top of, hey, here's your land of inheritance. So this is what the command was. Your wives, your children, and your livestock may stay in the land that Moses gave you east of the Jordan, but all your fighting men ready for battle must cross over ahead of your fellow Israelites. You are to help them until the Lord gives them rest, as he has done for you, and until they too have taken possession of the land the Lord your God is giving them. After that, you may go back and occupy your own land, which Moses the servant of the Lord gave you east of the Jordan." Then they answered Joshua, whatever you have commanded us, we will do. And wherever you send us, we will go. Just as we fully obeyed Moses, so we will obey you. Only may the Lord your God be with you as he was with Moses. Whoever rebels against your word and does not obey it, whatever you command them will be put to death. Only be strong and courageous. Now, the definition or this new meaning that discipleship took on for me as I read this chapter, you want to hear it? I've got a new definition. It's not skipping through fields of daisies. You'll be happy to hear that. All right, so for me, the definition of discipleship is now coming alongside another person to help them possess and to help them rest in the life God has promised them. 
So in this account, the land, the inheritance that these Israelites received, for us today, that can be reflected in the promises of God. And by the way, they can be found in the Word of God, in your Bibles. So make sure you get into that because it's important for us to know the inheritance that God has actually given us as His sons and His daughters. There are promises in there for you that He wants you to claim. And so this is where discipleship comes in because you see, In this account, the fighting men had to come alongside the Israelites because the land wasn't clear. There were enemies within the land. And so if we reflect that, or what does that mean for us today? The thing is, when we become Christians, yes, Jesus' work on the cross was completely sufficient. He took us from being slaves to sin. We are now alive in Christ. We are a new creation. And He gave us this gift of grace. It's like a supernatural power that we have to help us overcome the stronghold of sin in our lives or once plagued our life. And so where discipleship comes in is, is like it's the act of the mighty men coming in and helping remove the enemies from the land. So with us as disciples, we come alongside people to help them deal with the misconceptions they have of God. It helps um, disciple makers help people to deal with the wrong thinking, the, the behavior that's going to lead them into sinful situations and into that, that stronghold of sin again. That's where discipleship comes in. It's such an important part. And so, like I mentioned, Jesus' work was 100% sufficient, no doubt about it. But we still have some work to do. So I don't know about you, but when I became a Christian, I, I wasn't proper and perfect and prim and everything the moment after. I still had stuff to deal with. I still had wrong mindsets. I still had behaviors that would get me into trouble uh, with sin. And so I needed someone to come alongside me and disciple me. And so this morning I've talked about how God's calling us to be disciples. God's calling us to be disciple makers this year. But maybe you're sitting here this morning and you're like, I have nothing to give. I am not a role model for Christianity. <laughs> I, am, I feel like I barely even know God. You know, if you're there right now, that's absolutely okay. That is actually okay. Because if you take a moment right now to think about what the Lord has done for you and And we get that from that story. That's what Joshua said to the people, that they were to think about what the Lord has done for them. If you took a moment to do that, maybe you can do that right now as I'm speaking. Think about the things that the Lord has done for you. You would find that there is something of value that you can pass on to others. In 1 Peter 2.10, it says, Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. By the very fact that you identify with Christ and you call yourself a Christian, it means that you have been made right with God. It means that you have been forgiven of your sin. It means that you have access to the Prince of Peace, no matter what storm you're going through. It means that you have been cleansed of sin, that you've been set free in the name of Jesus. It means all of these things. It means that you have been given mercy instead of judgment. It means that you've been shown loving kindness instead of, instead of the result of sin, which is death. It means that you have been brought into the family of God. You are no longer a slave to sin. You are no longer cast out. You are no longer an orphan, but you are within the family of God. One moment being 
a Christian, one moment having received salvation and you've received all of that. You can't tell me you have nothing to give someone else because I've just told you that you have so much value to give to someone else. And you know, sometimes we actually take for granted everything that God has done for us, right? If I'm being honest, I, I do that all the time. And so I love that in this, in this story, Joshua is saying, do uh, think about what the Lord has done for you. Take a moment to think about what the Lord has done for you. You know, this year, as you are embarking on this journey as disciple makers, this is an important thing for you to do, to actually reflect, to think about, where, did, where was I before Jesus? Where was I before Jesus came and lifted me out of the pit of my sin? Where was I? What did life look like? What did I struggle with? And then you can map out, you can look back. I love the beauty of hindsight. I think that's just such a wonderful word, hindsight. You can look back and see all the things that God has done in and through you. This is so important when we go to make disciples of other people to be thankful for what God's done, but to also reflect on what it is. Now that we can identify what God has done for us, passing it on to other people requires a journey. It's it, we read in that chapter before that these fighting men were to go and help their fellow Israelites until they possess and are at rest like what God has done for you. And so now that we can identify what God has done for us, now we embark on the journey with people, with the people that we want to lead in discipleship. And for some of us, we kind of think, is this a lock-in for life thing? How does this work? But I believe that God put some parameters here for us, that we disciple until we know that a person has possessed truth, has grabbed a hold of these this even just one element of this new life in God and is living it out to the point of seeing fruit in it. That's our job as disciple makers. There was this girl that I had um, the privilege of walking alongside, coming alongside in discipleship with um, at my previous church. And um, she was battling with some relational issues with her dad and, and they'd have fights like often weekly. And it was just something that she was really, really struggling with. And so what we did was that we went to the Word of God and we sought out God's wisdom on how to handle things. And our approach became that we would uh, be slow to anger, that we would go into the secret place to deal with the frustration with God, and then we'd work out a plan of how to communicate effectively with her dad, actually communicate effectively her needs without shutting her dad down and causing all these fights. And the thing is, is that we began with this plan in place, with this wisdom, with this truth. It was, it was amazing. It brought so much relief and comfort to her. But can I tell you, it wasn't an overnight thing that just because she had possessed this truth, she still wasn't finding the peace in it. She still wasn't at rest with her relationship with God, but it took a journey of living this truth out, of working it out, and of us walking together through it but can I tell you, she got there. It was a few years, but she got there in the end to the point where she was at peace with her relationship with her dad and, and they're actually doing really well right now. 
And so maybe for some of you this morning, you've recognised that someone has come alongside you and that those areas in your life that you struggled with, that they um, now you have grasped onto truth. You've, you've allowed the truth from the Word of God to actually permeate that area and you're beginning to see fruit in that area. You're beginning to see peace in that area. This is something that you have to pass on to others. No longer are you just a disciple, just a fellow Israelite, but you actually are a disciple maker. That's who God calls you to be. You are a disciple maker and you have something to pass on and a journey to walk with someone to see others come to a place of possessing their inheritance with God, but also to be in a place of rest and seeing the fruit in that area of their life. But you know, this journey of being a disciple and being a disciple maker, it's not an easy one. It's, it's filled with ups and downs. You may get things wrong. You might need a place where you can come for comfort, for strength, for encouragement. And I love that at the end of this story, at the end of this chapter, we see the, the mighty men actually rallying around Joshua and rallying around themselves to give themselves boldness and courage. Let's read it again. Then they answered Joshua after he gave the command, whatever you had commanded us, we will do. And wherever you send us, we will go. Basically, Joshua, we've got your back and we've got each other's back. We are doing this together. Just as we fully obeyed Moses, so we will obey you. Only may the Lord your God be with you as he was with Moses. Whoever rebels against your word and does not obey it, whatever you may command them, they will be put to death. Only be strong and courageous. You see, before Joshua and these fighting men went out to help clear the land and help their fellow Israelites receive their inheritance, possess their inheritance, they came together to be strengthened, to be filled with courage and with boldness. And they came together under the Lord in God's name. And we can't forget that that's a crucial part of how we disciple others and us as disciple makers, that we always come together and and under God. I love how Ecclesiastes put it. In Ecclesiastes 4.12, it says, Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. I love that. Um, you know, we'd understand ourselves by ourselves. That's that one strand. Two strands, that's us buddying up with someone else. But there's that third strand, and that is Jesus. That is God. That is the power of God with us, with that unity. And so there is power, there is strength, there is a courage that we find when we gather together, when we actually support one another. And you know, this year we wanted to be even more deliberate about getting support around you as a church, getting support around us as a church and really activating this in our church. And so we are rolling out this initiative called Prayer Circles. So what are Prayer Circles, you ask? So Prayer Circles are all about actually being in connection with the people uh, who share similar things in their world. So you may be a teacher. We've created a prayer circle for those who are in education. You might be a businessman or woman. We will create a circle for those who are in business. If you're a mom, we've got a mother's group. If you're a dad, we've got a dad's prayer circle. We're making these circles and they're actually available to sign up in after the experience in the foyer. And if you don't find a circle that you identify with, that's okay. 
find some other people that you can that you have something in common with that you can gather around and pray into together and we will create that circle for you but we want what we wanted to do was actually get you into a network of support because we understand that going out there that living out your call day to day that it does get tough that we need each other and we need the power of prayer and so that's what we're going to do this year and we're rolling that out today so you can um, take advantage of that but if I can just get the band to come up and help me why don't we stand to our feet this morning so I'm really excited for prayer circles I think it there's nothing like learning from other people who have gone ahead and those who are coming up behind us but there's something special that happens when we gather with people who understand our world who can actually connect around the issues and the things that we're facing and so we believe that there's going to be a lot of strength coming to your walk with God and, and this journey of being a disciple maker through our prayer circles. So make sure that you do check those out afterwards. So this morning, what I really felt God just kind of want to lead us to today, this point that he wanted to lead us all to, was this recommitment to being a disciple first and foremost and to being a disciple maker. You might be here this morning and you've walked away from God. You might be here this morning and you don't know this Jesus that I've been talking about. If that's you, I would love to invite you into a relationship with him and, and we'll have one of our elders um, at the back of our experience with a Bible for you and they'd be happy to, to answer any questions that you have about Christianity, about Jesus and about this, this God that we speak about. But this morning, I really believe that God wanted to be deliberate in commissioning us afresh to be disciples, but to be disciple makers. So this morning, I'll just get you to bow your heads and close your eyes. If you feel the Holy Spirit stirring in your heart, if you can feel on the inside that, yeah, I haven't been deliberate with my own journey with Jesus, or I haven't been deliberate in going out and making disciples. You know, I referred to the Great Commission before where Jesus was basically commissioning us to go out and make disciples. The word commission actually means to take something newly created and bring it into working order, best working order. For some of us in this room, maybe you've been dry. Maybe your walk with God has been, you feel like it's dry in that area, that you're not, living a life that actually feels very fulfilling. Maybe, just maybe, if you haven't been deliberate with being a disciple maker, then that's actually the step you need to take because there's nothing like passing on truth that helps us to remind us the goodness of God and the love of God for ourselves. And so this morning, if that's you, and if you honestly, sincerely in your heart, saying to God, yeah, God, I want that fullness of life. I want to be in the best working order. I want to be living out the purpose that you've placed on my life. I want to be a disciple maker. Then will you pray this prayer with me? All right, pray with me. Dear Jesus, thank you for your work on the cross. Thank you for calling me to follow you into the best life imaginable. I commit my life to being your disciple and to being a disciple maker. 
Lead me in this, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Thank you for tuning in today. If you would like to find out more about Lyft, check out our website at theliftchurch.com.au.